Everything's good here. Uh, having a heat wave. Um, but um, all is good. We're doing a lot of uh, development of the property with Chidahari's help and expertise. That's uh, nice. Um, and uh, my book is about three quarters edited, maybe a little bit more. Um, so I'm going through it, adding a few things here and there. I'm learning how to make flower beds. Um, that's uh, interesting. And uh, a wonderful service opportunity. So what are the questions? Okay, so sorry, my computer's lagging a little bit. Um, okay, so there are six questions and there's probably more coming. Um, so the first question is from Krishna Chaitanya. Okay. All right, Krishna. Guru Maharaj. Um, my question is, I was hanging out with Khan Ram the other day, and we were talking about, he brought out that there's rumors of demons in the, in Krishna Leela, the unmanifest pastime, but not really demons. And I was just wondering, like in Gora Leela, the unmanifest pastimes, I guess what I, we were, as we were talking about it, we were thinking, well, in Krishna Leela, there's the intrigue of trying to get Radha and Krishna together, and maybe there's rumors of demons. Is there some sort of analogous intrigue in the uh, unmanifest pastimes of Gora Leela? Yeah, it's an interesting topic. Um, and uh, with regard to the apricot or the nitya leela, the unmanifest leela um, of Krishna in Braj, then there are different ways of talking about that subject. And uh, sometimes some acharyas have referred to the influence of demons as rumors. Um, Others have actually uh, spoken about their uh, demons like Keshi, um, for example, the, the horse demon, or Arista, the bull demon, um, that uh, entered uh, Braj during the Prakata Manifest Lila, uh, Sanatana Goswami, for example, spoken about them actually being there. Um, but um, um, of course they're defeated and Keishi, the horse demon, is turned into a into into someone who gives pony rides, you know, to the to the cowherd boys. Um, and Arista becomes uh, 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 bullet pulls carts and so forth. So they become completely tamed and and end up uh, uh, participating uh, in a Leela. But the, the, so I just give that as a contrast from someone saying that they're rumors, another chart is saying that they're there, but you know they're not there in, in, in the way that they are in the Prakat Leela. They're actually devotees. Um, and so the, but the point I think is that, is that, um, and, and this is the, the, the philosophy on this, that the feelings and bhavas of the aprakat lila and the feelings of the prakat lila are the same. So when we say the aprakat lila and the prakat lila are the same, what we mean by that is that they're driven by the same bhavas, and to one extent or another, the same bhavas are present. Now, 
how that will practically play out, show itself, or how that may be talked about, that that point hmm, may be different. Some of them may say, well, the, the feelings are there because there are rumors of, of Kamsa. Hmm? Um, and, and, and those feelings are relative to the, to, to the Leela and, 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 um, and someone else must may say, well, he's there, but, uh, like I said, uh, you know, he's, he's, uh, uh, doesn't function entirely in the same capacity that he does in a Prakat. So there's different ways of talking about the same thing, which is that the bhavas, both are driven, the Prakat and Aprakat Leela by the same bhavas. So, uh, whatever Bob as we find manifest in the Prakat Lila, which is like a trailer of the movie of the Aprakat Lila, are also there. Hmm? I think that's the important overarching uh, point to understand. Now, your question is about how does that apply to Gora Lila? In Gora Lila, of course, uh, in Aprakat, the unmanifest Lila, we find ourselves in Navadvip, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is not a sannyasin. Hmm? Um, and uh, he is fully um, uh, expressing himself as a devotee, as a Vaishnav. And all of his associates are participating in Sankirtan with him and uh, Archan uh, hearing the Bhagavat uh, on it just like we do on a daily basis. Hmm? Um, during the Prakat Leela, of course, we have Jagai and Madai are there, and uh, the mercy of Nityananda Prabhu is brought out, and they are converted. We have the Chandkazi is there in Navadweep, uh, the Muslim ruler, and he um, uh, uh, Makes an effort to 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 stop the to ban the sankirtan and so on. So those are a couple of uh, quote unquote demons, if you will, that uh, come to mind. I think that uh, that uh, Chand Kazi has been identified with either Drasanda or Kamsa, perhaps Kamsa. Um, Jagai Madai have been identified with Jai and Vijay, an encore appearance in the Prakat Leela after three times appearing in the world uh, as, as demons based on the curse of the Kumaras and the, and the uh, backing of the curse ostensibly by Narayan. And then with Gaur Leela, they come again. Um, so... Uh, uh, and this is kind of a speciality of the of the, the manifesto that makes it, in some respects, more more sweet, more charming, more in, intimate than Aprakat Lila. Now, your question is: In Aprakat Lila, is there any Kamsa? Is there any uh, uh, Kazi, you know, influences and um, and uh, uh, Jagai and Madai types and so forth? Well, to be honest with you, the um, Leela narratives um, focused on Gore Leela tend to be very brief comparatively. For example, we have Govinda Amrita, Krishna Bhavan Amrita, and Kavi Karnapur's book, I forget the name. These are, books are thousands of verses hmm, um, about a typical day in the life of Krishna in the Brajalila, which is divided into eight sections. We take the whole Leela and, and in motion and kind of stop the film right there before Krishna goes to Mathura. And Vrindavan is fully developed and everyone, the gopis and, and are adolescents and Krishnas and so forth. And then it plays out, you know, what a typical day is over and over again. So comparatively, as I mentioned, the descriptions of Gore's Aprakat Lila are very limited. And, um, and um, previous uh, and founding of Charis have not gone into um, extensive 
detail, but the principle that I began answering your question with applies. And so exactly how you might describe the fact that that principle our president is, um, is another thing. And uh, to date, I haven't heard of any particular descriptions to make that point. Now, of course, the Babas we're talking about are, are fear, hmm? their secondary rasas, or anger, um, and, and, and so forth. Not that they don't have other ways to, to show themselves, but fear in particular, fear. More than that, not really fear of demons, but fear for Krishna's well-being. This is uh, certainly a bhava that uh, expresses itself in Aprakat Lila. And uh, the same would hold true for Gorlila. Does that help? Yes, and I think I, I remember reading something about Mother Sachi being worried about um, Gora getting bruises like with Kirtan. Would, would one of those fears be that although they love that Nimai is religious, maybe he's getting too much into this uh, Sankirtan? Well, she does... During the during the uh, during the Sankirtan in, in the Nisha Lila, the night Lila at Shiva's um, uh, residence, extended residence and gardens and so forth, Mahaprabhu was performing Rasa Kirtan all through the night, right? And so he's sometimes crashing up on the ground and so forth. Whereas internally, in in in, in Krishna Lila. From the point of view of the, the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna, he's um, experiencing the love uh, um, of, of of the gopis and um, you know their their eye cosmetic may rub on him and look like a bruise or something like that. Uh, this type of thing, of course. Also, he enters yeah, obviously into the mood of, of Radha. Hmm? Um, but at any rate, it's true. Sachi may look look at his body in the morning and think what happened. And now that Sankirtan is that you're performing is very um, it's it's hard on you. And yes, maybe you're. It's good to be religious, but let's not be fanatical about it. <laughs> it's a typical um, uh, maternal uh, expression. Okay, what else? Another question? He sure has a question. Can you speak up? Can you hear me? Barely. Okay, maybe. Hello? Can't hear anything now. Can you hear me now? Yeah, now it's loud and clear. Okay. Um, in Brihad Bhagavatam Rita, Sarupa, when he um, enters the Leela, in the morning there's an instance where the gopis are bathing Krishna and he's present. Mm -hmm. And Krishna tosses him his flute because... Mm -hmm. He doesn't trust the gopis to handle it. And I was wondering if this is a um, a common service for the Priyanarmasaka to protect and handle Krishna's flute while he's with the gopis. Well, there are a number of uh, Venuharna leelas, flute stealing uh, leelas. Uh, we find um, Krishna's Kaviraj. Uh, has a version of that in Govindalamrita, and that is similarly expressed in Vishnas Chakravartakos Krishna Bhavanamrita. Rupa Goswami has a extended 
uh, Haralila in his um, um, I want to say the Dugdamadava. Uh, I think it's the Dugdamadava drama of his. Uh, so there are there are any any other poets uh, have also expressed this, um, and um, and typically um, in the flute stealing lila, some of which the gopis actually steal the flute, some of which. Uh, it accidentally falls into their hands as Krishna becomes so bewildered by Radha's beauty that while offering her flowers, he gives his flute and doesn't realize it. She realizes it, of course, and, and that's a big deal. And it's passed among friends and so on and so forth. So anyway, there's a number of these uh, poetic uh, uh, descriptions of an ongoing affair. The flute is, is in some ways the, the, the enemy of the gopis because um, the, the, the flute uh, uh, causes them to consider giving up the dharma and running off with Krishna and so forth. And of course, he's also uh, object of their ire because, well, he's always tasting Krishna's lips and, and those lips, they think that they should have the um, right to taste them, not the flute and so forth. So they, these are all, anyway, so, 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 so this, to steal the flute is a big deal for them and it's a big deal for Krishna to lose his flute. But point is, and relative to your question, you know, all of the fruit, flute stealing Leela's, the Narmastakas are, are prominent uh, um, and, and present and assisting in uh, Krishna in, in getting it back, if you will. Um, so, yes, uh, Krishna throws his flute to, uh, to Sarupa and um, there's a kind of a muted flute-stealing Leela, if you will, it's not stolen, but the thought that it might be, and you can't you let go and be into the gopi's hands is, is there. So, hope that answers your question. Next. Um, so, Anada? Hare Krishna. Um, I have a question about. Shraddha, that um, I understand Shraddha is not something of the mind, but of the soul. It's somehow B.R. Sridhar Maharaj describes it. And in one purport, Prabhupada, in when, when he's referring to the Bhakti Lata Bija, he says the Guru gives a taste for Bhakti. The Bija is a taste for Bhakti. So two things. I'm wondering if the Bija is the same as Shraddha, and if Shraddha is um, a, a part of the Swarup Shakti, not the material world. Mm -hmm. um, I'd like to see that quote of Prabhupada where he says that uh, Shraddha is the, that the Guru gives the taste. Um, if you could send that to me, that would be good. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, regarding Shraddha and Bija, the seed, um, the seed of Bhakti, as sometimes described, is the seed of the Rati or the Bhava that that Bhakti will um, eventually express, express itself as. And in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, Jiva Goswami comments on Rupa Goswami's verse that um, um, one of his verses in which, uh, by, by way of saying that the bija, the seed of the rati that one will attain is Sadhu Sangha. And he quotes a verse from the Bhagavatam. Um, 
in which the Bhagavatam is speaking about the virtues of sadhusanga. Hmm? So the seed of the rati, the only thing is, is arguably is the bhakti, lata bija, and he says that it comes from sadhusanga. So you know, what do we get from sadhusanga? Well, we get uh, we get if we get shastriya shraddha, we get nirguna shraddha. So there are different types of faith. Obviously, Gita speaks about different types of faith. Faith in the modes of goodness, passion, ignorance. Arjuna asks the question, what, you know, about, about uh, faith, and Krishna speaks about the three modes. And um, in Uddhava Gita, Krishna speaking to Uddhava, he takes it a step further. He speaks about faith in the three modes and also Nirguna Shraddha. He says, for example, faith in Shastra is is so we get nirguna shraddha. Ujjapad Sridharmarsh used to like to describe the spiritual world as uh, planets of faith, very poetic and beautiful expression, planets of faith. By contrast, he often poetically said that that, uh, suspicion leads to suspension, by which he meant that lack of faith or doubt um, uh, impedes one from going forward. Hmm? Uh, In the Gita, again, referring to that chapter, about uh, different types of faith, Krishna says that a person is their faith. So faith is the animating principle in life, whatever mode of nature it's, it's in. And so true with, with, with nirguna faith. Hmm? Um, and if that faith is inhibited by doubt, then there's hesitation, right? Suspension, suspicion leads to suspension. Um, Back to the idea that there are planets of faith, well, then there must be planets of doubt. And no doubt there is. Consciousness is covered by matter, and so there are doubts about itself. It's doubting itself. People doubt their own bliss. I could never relate to that, but having had it, uh, even if it's not consistent, hmm? um, the fact that it, that that it, that it, it exists and and transcends any form of material happiness based on acquisition and so forth is is is, is uh, so uh, significant and spiritually grounding. Um, but at any rate. If there are planets of faith, what he means there, of course, there everything is animate, everything is moving, there's no hesitation, there's a free flow of the heart. Um, when you're at home, then you don't have any doubts. Uh, when you're in a neighbor's house or at the store or in a foreign country, how things work, read the label before you eat it. At home, everything is, there's no doubts, there's free, free movement. So Vrindavan is a home homeland of the heart. And for home knowing, we need a home knowing, home going, as Pujapachita Maharaj used to say, we need a home knowing um, person. So who, that person has Nirguna Shraddha and is animated by that, by that Shraddha. Mm -hmm. Um, In one sense, you could say that the progression in Bhakti is a development of of Shraddha. Mm -hmm. Faith from faith from tender to become strong, uh, to uh, well informed, um, and uh, as a result, uh, uh, with it comes the ability to understand the revelation in a dynamic way, with the application of scriptural logic uh, and in thinking about it and discussing about it, always land, so to speak, on one's feet. So, um, so Shraddha 
Uh, yes, Shraddha, as we talk about it in Bhakti, which is the beginning or, it, or as it manifests in one's heart, there is eligibility to tread the path. Of course, like I said earlier, you need but, but faith to tread any path. But the difference between, for example, bhakti, gyan, yoga, other schools of transcendental pursuit, is that they require other things. Gyan and yoga require other things besides the faith, whereas bhakti, only faith, you may be lacking in other qualifications still, such as the power of bhakti, because it's nirguna in nature. The power of sattva is considerable, but pales in comparison to nirguna. So, so yes, uh, there's a difference between, let's say, belief, which is more of a function of the, uh, the mind and faith. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, it, yes, it's a, it's Sadasanga is a sharing of the faith. So, uh, you know, that said, you, you could, I, su I suppose if you, if you say, as Jiva Goswami does, that, as I mentioned earlier, that Sadhusanga is the seed of the Rati that one will attain, and that first manifests as Nirgun uh, Shraddha. Uh, does that help? Yes. Um, so Nirgun Shraddha relates to Bhakti. Is that part of the internal energy then when it's Nirguna? Nirguna means, means yes, internal. Nirguna means not of the modes of nature. So it's on the spiritual side. And what's functioning there, of course, is the um, yeah, Krishna Swarup Shakti. Exactly. And it's interesting you said how some people who have had devotees, who have, it seems like all devotees do have some experience of um, how that Shraddha is giving them a taste in Krishna consciousness, but they don't trust it and uh, don't give it enough maybe credence. And so they, I don't know. It, yeah, I see I that. Yeah, their their experience may be limited, um, and um, it may be very much relative to a good association, outside of which, well, that's the nature of the jiva adaptability. So, if you're in good association, you're going to be nurtured. If you're not in good association, well, you're in bad association. Uh, so, you know, you're going to uh, you're going to adapt to be influenced by that unless you've been nourished sufficiently to withstand that and be an, in, be an influence in, uh, you know, upon, upon others. So, yeah. Um, Is any faith in bhakti nirgun shraddha? Well, there's, uh, I would say that there's, 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 there's kind of a lokic faith and there's shastric uh, Shastriya Shraddha. Lokic means like worldly. Um, so a worldly idea about God and faith in God that is not tied to revelation. And that's what Arjuna is talking about in the chapter of the Gita I referred to. I forget the number of the chapter, 16 or 17, something like that. Um, uh, and in the end, what does Krishna conclude? So faith should be derived from, from Shastra. If we act independently of Shastra under the gunas, you're not going to get fruit. So there, there is a kind of lokic shraddha, worldly faith, I suppose you could say, worldly belief in God, faith in God. I mean, all people have all kinds of ideas about God, right? Hmm? Um, there are books like Conversations with God um, that are they're, they're kind of crazy, you know, and what they, what they come up with, what the author thinks that he, 
he or she heard from, from God in the conversation and so forth. So now is that bhakti? Uh, you know, um, not really, uh, as, 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 as we speak about it, but it's kind of a worldly faith hmm, uh, in God derived from the influence of, of, the, of the modes of nature. Does that help? Yes, thank you. Can I just a question um, unrelated? When you opened up today, you said that you're learning how to make flower beds. Yeah. Does that mean beds for planting flowers, or actually beds for laying down that are made of flowers? Oh no, for, for laying down, for putting Krishna in a, in a bed of, of flowers. We have some nice. Um... Putting Krishna in a bed of flowers, not making beds of where you're going to plant flowers. Right, making a bed of flowers for Krishna to lie down in. Wow. From the flower beds that we have here. <laughs> Follow? Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> I'll stay there for a minute. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the next question is from Martin, and I think that that one's in the chat and needs to be translated. Okay, who's our translator today, Sean? You don't see it, I wonder. No, sorry, I don't know. I, I send it uh, privately. Oh, I see it for everyone. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, so I'll just read it um, because it is in English. Um, okay, so um, so the question is, Pranam Maharaj, um, I've heard that each demigod is, a, uh, is kind of a position to fill. For example, Indra is not the same in every planet or universe. So can you say a few words about the essence of the demigod soul? Well, the idea um, is that... Um... Our body and mind, gross and subtle body, are a microcosm of the macrocosm of material nature. Mm -hmm. And so the functions of our body, for example, our senses, uh, are dependent on the macrocosm. So for us to see with our eyes, we're dependent on light, right? Can't see in the dark. So for our, our some animals can, but that's another thing. So our eyes are dependent upon sun um, and speaking is dependent upon wind and so on and so forth so the basic idea in um, the Hindu uh, conception of the world is that we should live with gratitude and understand that the function of our senses hmm, is a dependent function. We're not independent, just do whatever we want with our senses. Um, and if we think like that, there will be there'll be consequences because we will be living without gratitude. Hmm? And and separating ourselves mentally, distancing ourselves from nature that materially speaking we're part of. Hmm? Hmm? So this is a very interesting concept because there's a there's an advocacy for understanding the extent to which our body mind complex and material identification is an integral part of the entirety of nature, and as we understand that and thereby approach nature with gratitude, um, she shares her secrets with us. The, the prime secret of which is that she has a soul and is us. Hmm? So it's very, very interesting uh, because by, in, in a sense, by being grounded and, and integrating more with nature, as I'm speaking about it, hmm, we come to know that we're, that we're not part of nature in another sense. We're the Atma. We're part of the whole show because it wouldn't go on without us. Hmm? Right? Um, so while there's a, in the one side, moving away from I'm not matter, 
Hmm? Here's an advocacy of, well, I am part of nature, integrating with that, when living with gratitude, Surya Namaskar to the sun every morning, and so on and so forth. Um, and, and this, it, it, and, and looking at the river as a goddess, because without her water, I cannot live, and uh, and, and worshiping the river and so forth. And um, you can say these gods are posited, if you will, um, but uh, it's, a, it's kind of a poetic way of looking at the world. It's kind of a, it's, it's a way of looking at the world with gratitude and perhaps things come into one's vision that one, one would not see otherwise. Hmm? Gods, goddesses, um, uh, and while this might be thought in a modern so-called rational world to be, you know, fairy tales and so on and so forth, it's actually what it really amounts to is, is, is the first stage of love, which is gratitude. Thank you. Hmm? Thank you for the, bount- uh, uh, the bounty of and so on and so forth. Um, not a bad thing because it, again, it leads ultimately to um, understanding the Atma. So Dharma Jignasu, inquiring into Dharma, which is all about this life of gratitude, leads to Brahma Jignasu, inquiring into, into the nature of the consciousness and Rasa Jignasu as well. Um, so it, uh, what the senses and all our psychological um, realities and so forth have a correspondence with the features of nature. They're personified as gods and goddesses. And the, the primal ones that you speak of, like Indra, Brahma, and so forth, they're like, these are thought to be like empowered um, divinetrena, so empowered, divinely empowered, like um, seats within, within, within nature. Hmm? They're partial manifestations of the Godhead himself. Diving that training means the, the, the divine kind of controlling uh, factor. People say, well, if God was going to control you know, if it didn't come up in the morning, it'd be a big problem. <laughs> um, now we have, we have the, we, we live in a fantasy of controlling the sun one day through science and doing away with all this, uh, these silly beliefs and so forth. <laughs> um, good luck with that. Um, so it's just like artificial intelligence, you know, is, is, is thought to be, wow, this is where it's going. And we're going to finally show that, that our intelligence is also artificial that we can create robots uh, of course you haven't proved anything because conscious being is creating you know a replica of, it, of itself so you got the, you know you have to have the programmer to do the computing that you can't get it get, get around that's kind of it's kind of circular and but that said uh, relative to my point the progress in artificial intelligence which is thought to be you know tremendous if looked at in terms of the goal of the field of artificial intelligence is like so the progress, when we look at it from that perspective, it's just like if someone wants to touch the moon and they climb a tree and say, I've gotten a lot closer to the tree, to the moon now. I mean, you would laugh at that, you know? So if the goal of artificial intelligence, which it is, is to create human beings, hmm, with feelings, robots with feelings, hmm? they're so far from that. You know, the person you talk to in the phone, you know, Siri, what's her name? Uh, you know, is is so far from having feelings uh, that, that, that it's absurd. Hmm? That, that so the progress is 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 is, is, is say limited would be uh, you know wouldn't do, wouldn't do justice to it. And for that matter, I think it's worth considering that if you did create consciousness hmm, by 
the manipulation of non-conscious stuff, which is sounds what how how fantastic what a fantasy that is that I'm going to take stuff that has no feeling, no experience of itself, and I'm going to rub it together, and it's going to feel and have experiences. That's basically what you know what they're trying to do. I mean, it, 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 it sounds rather magical um, and fantastical. Um, but if you could, hmm, you haven't done anything that hasn't already been done by somebody you haven't met yet. But, but if you could, um, then those robots would start wondering, is there God or not? Because that's what humans do. <laughs> so, you know. You still haven't solved the problem. Robots would be some of the robots would be preaching there is a God. I'm sure of it. And then, Wait a minute. We created you in the lab. It doesn't that doesn't matter. They, if they were actually replicas of fully, you know, human, then they would have all those feelings. So, so anyway, that's a little bit of an aside point, but uh, some thoughts I've shared with you about the gods and goddesses. I hope that's helpful. Yeah. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you for your question. Okay, I think maybe I got it. Uh, I got Martin's question mixed up with Rajhari's question, which I think is in the chat. I could be wrong. Yeah, it is. Okay, yeah, I need to repeat it in English for the persons on Facebook. The question is, the devotee has an affinity for nature, um, for animals, for the natural world, and and. and and so forth. And um, there are some statements in the scripture that um, uh, the questioner refers to. Uh, for example, Bhaktivasamita Sindhu, where it's mentioned that sacred uh, trees, the, the banyan, those are the fig trees, sacred tree, worshipable. These are angas of bhakti. Uh, taking care of cows um, is, is, is an anga of bhakti, um, and so on and so forth. Um, so is there some way that the devotee asks if they can, that he or she can integrate uh, his or her affinity for nature, which is what happens to be strong, um, with with bhakti? Hmm? Extend the idea of you know caring for cows to, for example, caring for all animals and and so on and so forth. Uh, so the question is if I could say something about that to help someone who, who feels that, that kinship with nature. Um, uh, you know, I spoke about this a little bit in the previous answer to the, to the question, that um, I think that the, in, in the industrial society that we live in, one of the problems is that humans have been you know, by, separated from nature, largely compared to agrarian-based uh, cultures. And um, and it's caused a kind of angst and a kind of uh, just a, well because we are part of nature and we start to you know with the help of Descartes <laughs> uh, think ourselves different from nature in all respects then well that's the beginning of the whole environmental crisis that we ex- are presently experiencing and. And it's it's psycho, it's it's a large part the psychological uh, crisis that uh, that the, the world experiences. Um, so it's important to be a little grounded uh, materially um, if we want to go up vertically. Then it's good to have a good horizontal uh, foundation, if you will. Um, so you're. Uh, affinity for nature, the natural world, preserving it, uh, and so on and so forth, um, uh, care for animals, and so on. Uh, I think it's, it's good. Um, Bhaktivinoda Thakur has said that uh, the essence of Dharma is Krishnanam and uh, um, does it say Krishna? Um, um, Nidodoy, Krishna Nam Sarvadana Sar. 
So Krishnanam to chant Krishnanam and kindness to all beings. Hmm? Um, this is a big emphasis in the Buddhism, you know, the kindness to all sentient beings. It's not that we're Buddhists, but it's not that there aren't aspects of Buddhism that are also part of Gaudi Vaishnavism. So kindness to all beings um, is, is good. And um, as I just cited Bhaktivinoda, it's the essence of, of uh, Dharma. Now, you know, certain animals are domestic animals like the cow and they, they bring much to human society. And so when we take them out of the wild, domesticate them, they, they also civilize us and take us from hunting and gathering to growing agriculture. And uh, we care for the animal, the animal cares for us. Then there's the animals in the wild and so on. But um, we certainly uh, uh, in our ashrams, like at Madhavan or here at Adari, we, we uh, try to um, facilitate the, uh, the the wild animals as well. So there's so many deers here. They they eat along with the cows here. Um, um, so from the same feeder nowadays. So uh, that said, I also want to emphasize that um, I think you might look at your affinity for nature in light of the Goswami's descriptions of Christian Leela, from which they're drawing so much from the natural world that it's apparent that they were very acquainted with the natural world, how this bird chirps and how this flower blossoms and at what time and so on and so forth. Of course, they're seeing it all uh, in a poetic way, and it's reminding them of Krishna Leela and, uh, and and so forth. And they're they're seeing the you know Chakora bird and uh, is it the Chakora that uh, lives on start to poetically live on raindrops and uh, won't take water from the ground once it falls, and so like that they. They, they follow that bird and only want to take from Krishna rather than be sustained by Krishna and so on and so forth. Point is that yes, they're 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 seeing the natural world in a way that reminds them of Krishna, but they're very acquainted with it. They're very connected with it uh, and very uh, respectful of it and the the environs if you will, of Vrindavan, the forest, uh, is highlighted over the village, you know, by far, if you will, not that they're that much disconnected as cities are today from, you know, urban areas. So those are, are some, some thoughts. And of course, um, any aspect of nature, uh, there, there, well, there are many powerful manifestations of nature that Krishna identifies himself with amongst mountains, I am the Himalayas, amongst bodies of water, I am the ocean. Here in Northern California, we have redwood trees, which are local only here and maybe one part in China. Uh, they're very special trees. And we could say that to extend the, the 10th chapter of the Gita Vibhuti Yoga amongst trees in Northern California, I am the redwoods. So we walk amongst the redwoods. Some of these redwoods are big enough to you know, drive a car through or to build a house within. So when you walk amongst them uh, in the old growth forests, you get a, a slight you know, epiphany that I'm not in, in the center here. The trees are the center and I'm on circumference. So you get displaced. Whenever we come in touch with a powerful manifestation of nature, if we go from here uh, uh, out to the coast, which is 11 miles, when you reach the coast, it's very dramatic. The cliffs and the ocean, it's, it's, it's an epiphany, like oh, it's big, the vastness, and I'm small. Hmm? Again, uh, any powerful manifestation of nature is a bhuti, expression of Krishna, a representation of the, the, the infinite, hmm? manifesting in a finite uh, form that has some 
measure of the infiniteness of nature that it represents to the human mind. And it causes then that we humans to have kind of an epiphany about of our, of our smallness and there's something to revere. There's a mystery. What's it? There's this body of water. What's at the other end? And even if you know from geography, you know, that at the other end, you know, out there in the Pacific, there's, there's some islands and then there's the Asia. Still, it's hard to relate to when you just look at it and just think, what's that? It's mysterious. And then what's in the bottom of it, you know? How deep is it, and so forth? The vastness. So, acquaintance with 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 nature can very much help us to come take ourselves out of the center, so to speak, where we tend to gravitate towards by our material um, uh, conditioning. So, um, just some thoughts about. Um, for nature lover devotees, if you will, we should we should be such. Um, and as I was saying, um, the entirety of nature, of course, is is the Shakti of Bhagawan. So you could take any any uh, feature of nature and worship it as the Shakti of Bhagawan and uh, progress in Bhakti. If you make that uh, conceptual uh, connection, but Tend, we tend to worship the form of Bhagavan, Sri Krishna, but we can live worshipfully in relation to all of, all of nature as the Shakti of Bhagavan, and especially when power, they say powerful features of it remind us of our, of our uh, smallness and of his uh, greatness, if you will. Hope that helps. I see there's some more long questions. I don't know if we're going to have time for them. Yeah, there's definitely a few more. Um, I mean, there's like, it seems like there's four more. Um, yeah. One says, how, uh, Rupa Manohar, um, how a disciple should see the opinion of the spiritual leaders, gurus, about some aspects of health, vaccine, science, politics, etc. Thank you, Guru Dave. Um, the guru is not a um, politician, a health uh, uh, medical practitioner, hmm, material scientist, and uh, and so forth. And these realms, medicine, what's good for your health, um, science, what's the nature of 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 of, of the external world, uh, politics, so forth are full of relativity. Hmm? What's healthy today is um, bad for you tomorrow often. Um, uh, and there are, you know, even, even in the same day, there are so many different opinions. So uh, to the guru is, is primarily for the purpose of, as is Shastra, telling us about something that we could not know otherwise, simply by the exercise of our senses, mind, intellect, we could not know about Krishna Leela. Hmm? Scripture is for telling us about that. Hmm? And Guru is for telling us about that. Now, in the context of telling us about that, Scripture may draw upon science, politics, psychology, and so forth, of the time in which it's spoken, hmm? that essential message to, to get that message across. Hmm? So that what they, what is drawn upon to uh, impart the essential message may be relative, but the essential message is not. Hmm? The world is always changing. Humans are part of the world. They're always changing. <laughs> so we, we, we live in a different world than, than, than the past. And we're as humans, we're different than humans of the past. So our experience is going to be different. So, so that we have to look to that which is essential. That's what the guru is about. He or she may draw upon relative things to express that, but those things are are irrelevant. 
And then he or she may have a certain opinions also. Hmm? What's good for health? What's not? Um, and, and those are not absolutes. Hmm? Um, so that's that question. Then... Um, What else? Um, so, uh, I mean, we, we have other questions. I think it's just up to you whether you. I see two questions in Spanish, right? Yeah, there are two. In, yeah, there's, yeah, there's three more questions. One from Eric and two in Spanish in the chat. Well, I, yeah, I answered that one. I see one from Givesh in Argentina and one from um Mahatma Das in Chile. Hmm. So the question's about the Aryan race, the, the, the symbol of the swastika and how it was taken by the uh, Nazi party in, in Germany and distorted. And so what's the pristine conception of that? Um, well, um, obviously there were uh, problems with the uh, bigotry of the Nazis and so forth. Um, and it's one of the cruelest, uh, you know, campaigns and in, in, in world horrific uh, things that they did. Um, and we don't find that in, in the uh, Aryan conception that they drew from, from India. Um, but um, the Aryans um, are thought to be those that are following the scripture and inquiring and have a, have a transcendental view of life. They're transcendentalists, ultimately. Hmm? While they see differences, materially speaking, hmm, amongst people, um, some being more influenced by Rajas and Thomas, some by Sattva and so forth. They see an equality of all beings at the same time. And the whole Aryan um, idea was uh, to live for the upliftment of the entirety of humanity in terms of their, its uh, spiritual prospect. So, I mean, it's, it just, it's, a, it's a total distortion that what... Uh, Nazi Germany did. The sign itself to be honest with you, the uh, the swastika symbol in, in India, but it's auspicious and uh, the Nazis turned something very inauspicious. So Aryans, I mean Arjun was an Aryan. Hmm? Um, at some point in the Gita, he was speaking like a non-Aryan which was he, was, he was absorbed in the bodily conception of life. Krishna reprimanded him and said, you, you're, you're an Aryan, but you're not acting like one. To act like one is to, to live in the world as a transcendentalist. So that is to see on a deeper level everyone equal and to conduct oneself in such a way that the, um, not only the equality of all beings, but the, the prospect of all living beings will um, be uh, brought to light and uh, fostered. So I'll uh, give a short answer on that. And we have one more from Chile. Let's see if it lends itself to a short answer. So the question I'll speak in, in, in English um, is about Jiva um, Goswami's terms, mantra, mai, upasana. Uh, and Swarasiki, um, two ways of accessing, entering into the aprakat, the unmanifest uh, leelas of Krishna. Mm -hmm. And um, that's the essence of, of the question. So uh, what are these mantras then by which you can enter into the uh, leelas, which reveal the leelas and so forth? 
what Jiva Goswami is talking about is that there are certain mantras that describe Krishna or a frame. Are you there, Sham? Sham Sundar? Okay. They take a, if you take a frame, one frame of the movie of Krishna Leela, let's say you want to take um, the Rasalila hmm, and take one frame of that, freeze it, hmm, and you can find in the Bhagavatam a verse that describes it. Or Jiva Goswami refers to... Um, a verse in Gopal Tapad Upanishad that describes the beauty of Krishna. The Brahma Samhita itself is full of verses um, describing um, Krishna and, and, in effect, freezing the Leela in, in, in a certain frame. And so, what Jiva Goswami is talking about is that by meditating on those verses that are one frame of the Leela, in due course, the, the, the movie of the Leela will start to proceed within your heart. Hmm? And so from worshiping with a mantra, mantra mai, upasana, upasana means worship, hmm? uh, then uh, you can enter into that frame and internally then you eventually uh, it's you will see that it's one you know well you know theoretically it is but you'll start to experience that it's one frame and move to the next frame and this is then the swarasika meditation mm -hmm. um, that's basically what he's talking about so you, you want to know what those mantras are Venum kundvantam aravindadalayataksham bharahavatam samasatam buddhasundaram kandharpakoti kamani avishesha shodam govindam adipurusham tamaham. This is one, for example. So there are many. Mm -hmm. So I'll give the brief answer. We've gone a little over time. I appreciate all your questions. I hope to be with you next week. Kaur Bhakti Brinda Kijar. Kaur Premanandi. Diyaribhav.